Section 26 of The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Crime of the French Café and Other Stories by Nicholas Carter. The Mystery of St. Agnes's Hospital. Chapter 6 the last link in the chain nick's first glance at the body of chick took a weight like a mountain of lead off his heart chick was bound and gagged this was enough to make nick certain that no serious harm had come to him but he was instantly made aware of it in another way cautiously chick lifted an eyelid a less acute observer than nick would not have seen the movement the eye opened wide and then it winked chick was all right shall i cut this rope asked nick chick spoke straight through the gag with very little trouble it isn't necessary he said i can get loose at any moment dr jarvis is not an expert at tying knots though there are some other things that he understands pretty well how did this happen it was a clever trick said chick he threw some kind of a drug into my face if i hadn't known thanks to your teaching long ago just what to do in a case of that kind i should have gone to sleep in a second as it was the drug made my head swim but i kept it out of my lungs and pulled through of course i pretended to be unconscious for i wanted to see what he would do he tied me up rather clumsily gagged me exceedingly well and laid me on this slab after removing a headless body he went down into the cellar and I slipped my bonds, and followed him. I found him getting his furnace ready. Knowing what he would do, I got back to my downy couch here, pulled the bedclothes over me, and waited. He came back and got the body of my predecessor, and took it down cellar. Of course, he is burning it. Look out, he's coming! Chick quickly replaced the sheet. Nick could see that beneath it, Chick slid his hands again within the rope that had been used to bind him. Then Nick sprang toward the door of the doctor's room, pushed out a case of instruments from the wall, and got behind it. Dr. Jarvis went to Chick's side, lifted the sheet, and looked at the quiet face. Then he felt of the rope, but it seemed to be tight. He replaced the sheet and came toward the door beside which Nick was concealed. No sooner had Jarvis passed within the room then Nick came out of his hiding-place and followed the doctor. Jarvis was engaged in putting a few articles into a small bag. His back was toward the door, but he heard Nick's entrance and turned quickly. He sprang to his feet with a cry. Then his hands fell to his sides. He was the picture of despair. "'I see,' said Nick. "'You were preparing to run away.' Jarvis made no answer. That would have been the most foolish thing you could do, said Nick. It would have been equivalent to confession. And why not, groaned the doctor. Do you admit your guilt? No, I do not, said Jarvis firmly, but everything is against me. Well, we will consider that subject later. What did you intend to do with my friend yonder? He pointed through the open door toward Chick. Nothing, said Jarvis. I intended simply to leave him there. He would not have been discovered till I had got a good start. 
"'I believe that you did not intend to injure him,' said Nick. "'I suppose he might as well get up now.' He uttered a peculiar call. Chick instantly sat up under the sheet. Then he threw it aside, got down from the slab, and advanced toward Nick and Jarvis, removing his gag and bonds as he did so. Jarvis regarded this performance with wonder. "'You should take some lessons in tying knots,' said Nick. "'And now,' he continued, "'we will take you to my house.' "'Arrest me?' "'I would hardly call it by that name, unless you prefer it.' "'But I am innocent.' "'That question we will pass for the present. "'There is one link wanting in the chain of evidence against you. "'I shall supply that link, and then we will see what comes of it.' "'With a hasty movement,' Dr. Jarvis took a little vial from his pocket and raised it toward his lips. But Nick had been watching. He struck the vial from the doctor's hand, and it went flying through the window. "'If you will give me your word of honor not to attempt suicide again,' said Nick calmly, "'I will not handcuff you.' Jarvis hung his head. "'Your word will bind you for three days, no more,' said Nick. "'I promise,' said the doctor.' "'Remove your dressing-gown and cap,' said Nick. Jarvis complied with the request, and Nick received the articles from his hands. Leaving the care of the prisoner to Chick, he carried the dressing-gown to the window. "'Ah,' said he, "'you have torn the dressing-gown.' "'Where?' asked the doctor. "'It is ripped under the arms,' Nick replied, "'and the cloth is strained beside each shoulder-seam on the back.' "'I was not aware of it,' said Jarvis. "'Put it on again,' said Nick, and the doctor obeyed. Nick studied his figure carefully. He made Jarvis assume a number of positions, and at last seemed satisfied. Chick was not possessed of the information to fully understand these maneuvers, but he knew by his chief's manner that the subject was of the first importance. After the doctor had been clothed properly for the street, he was taken to Nick's home in a closed carriage. Then Nick and Chick had a few words in private. "'That last link which I spoke of,' said Nick, "'must be supplied by you.' Chick nodded. "'The land back of St. Agnes's Hospital, as you know, is a sort of lover's walk,' Nick continued. "'It is. "'If the body of Patrick Beaver was hidden there, and was removed to the garden by night, somebody may have seen it done.' And that somebody, said Chick, may not come forward without being urged. Right. I think I can manage it if there is any witness. Of course, there may be none. I will bet you a dollar to a doughnut that such a witness appears whether you get him or not. Chick looked hurt for a minute, and then he caught a gleam in Nick's eye. I begin to understand you, said he. Your plan, Nick went on, is to circulate among the young men who whisper their love in the paths of that particular region. Find who is there on Monday night. It is not easy, but you can do it. I will get about it at once, said Chick. After this conversation, Nick went to see Lawrence Deaver. Poor Pat's body is in the house, said he, meeting Nick at the door, but I have kept my promise to you. Nobody knows of it, then? not for me or any of my friends. That is as it should be. I begin to believe, said Deaver, 
Your idea is to spring this thing on old Jarvis complete. Make the case ironclad. Tie him up double and twisted, and then let it come out in the papers. His eyes shone with malignity. I was surprised, he continued, to see nothing about it in the papers this morning. Why do you suppose that fellow skipped out of the garden? Who was he, anyway? Didn't you know him? said Nick, who always escaped a falsehood when he could. No, I didn't. He may have run away, because he couldn't stand that horrible sight any longer, and he may have been ashamed to confess that his nerves were so weak. Perhaps. It doesn't matter. What is to be done today? The only evidence I now require, said Nick, is something to show that your brother's body was hidden in the vacant lot and brought into the garden by Jarvis. Why do you need that? But never mind. I will see what can be done. They separated then, and until evening, Nick saw neither Deaver nor Chick. But about six o'clock he met Chick by appointment in Deaver's house. Deaver himself was not present. Chick was accompanied by a young man and a pretty young woman. He presented them as Margaret Allen and Henry Prescott. Both lived on 135th Street, Prescott in a boarding house, and Margaret with her father. By the secret sign, Chick communicated his belief, founded, of course, upon investigations which he had made, that Prescott and Miss Allen were present to give true testimony. These two witnesses, said he, in conclusion, will supply the only link in the chain which has been missing up to this time. End of section 26. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.